Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Decker, who's back from his vacation. This is episode 40. Dave, we're getting old. Oh, no. We're turning 40. (laughs) Oh, wow. I can see the wrinkle lines start to form, worrying about our mortality. Let's see what... No aches and pains yet. 40 is a lot like 30. It's just uh, with, with a few more lines gray hair maybe a little bit like one or two where you go oh my gosh my first gray hair it's cute before they start really is, taking over this is starting to get personal now <laughs> <laughs> i <This> wouldn't is, <laughs> know <laughs> it's interesting because you know we started this podcast right before the season started last year so we're right. coming up on a year we're getting real know, well you know what I remember you. I remember like podcast one and two, you, and it was so like enthusiastic and wide-eyed and wonder. I mean, you've, you've become more jaded now because you got kneeled, you know, basically uh, like the rest oh. of us eventually do. But, oh, is that a Diet Pepsi? It is. That's my my drink of choice. Well, look Diet what I've Pepsi. got. I got Diet Mountain Dew. So we're. Oh, I like, like that one too. Yeah, see, I like that too. It's, it's, I can't drink regular soda anymore. I, which, by the way, I I forget that a lot of people who listen to this are from Oregon, and I'm allowed to call it pop yeah. uh, because I've lived in Southern California long enough now that I have I have had to adjust and call it soda because no one knows what the heck you're talking about when you say pop. Really? Yeah, yeah. I remember when we first moved here, my mom literally got into an argument with a guy at the at a fast food place because she was asking for poppy didn't know what the heck she was talking about it was very funny but i can't drink regular regular pop anymore it, it the it's too much sugar so like the diet mountain dew i really like the diet pepsi i really like i i don't drink coffee so this is how i get my caffeine and i am a single mother to three children so caffeine is a necessary component to my life so there we are <laughs> so okay so yeah i mean i don't drink regular pop it's too sweet for me as well so and sweet too many calories i mean technically i think this artificial stuff is they say sweet it's gonna kill me probably me too I'm pretty sure. see we're turning 40 we're contemplating our own deaths but um <laughs> for the record i'm not actually turning 40 yet dave i've got up, four Dia. years shut up okay anyway <laughs> 
I may have passed to the other side of 40. But uh, I need a little bit of carbonation to make things taste good. And Diet Mountain Dew hits the not too much taste and not too much carbonation. Uh, yeah. I, I, so I like that. By the way, Diet Mountain Dew, Diet Pepsi, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, call me. <laughs> Uh, We're taking sponsors. <laughs> and also, I am a single dad to two children, five cats, and two black labs. So, and a church and a website. So, I also <laughs> need caffeine. Thrive on caffeine. Do you drink coffee? Um, I do sometimes. I like a lot of stuff in my coffee, which also adds calorie. But Got I've it. discovered the choice of oat milk. I kind of like that. That is also calories, but I like that pretty well. Um, okay. I like chai. I like the barista who's at our local coffee shop who's really friendly and makes me feel like I'm 30 again. I do not tell <laughs> her this. I do not do anything appropriate. I know better than to flirt with baristas. They're just you know, the tips. It's the customer service. I tip her well. That's fine. But... I like the whole ambiance of the coffee thing. I don't usually make coffee at home, although I do have an espresso machine. Sometimes I do in the winter, but I always like my coffee iced. I don't like hot stuff. It's a weird thing. I don't like to drink. I mean, warm tea, slightly hot tea, fine, but coffee, always iced. Yeah. When I was a kid, my grandpa was a big coffee drinker and he had a a bowl of coffee beans on his kitchen table and I thought they were jelly beans. And so I ate them. Like I took several, shoved them in my mouth, chewed them up and have never been able to stand even a hint of coffee flavor since. So you, I mean, if you sneak any little bit of coffee into a drink, I cannot taste it. I mean, I can't, I can't drink it. So Diet Mountain Dew, Diet Pepsi, that is uh those are my jams too Uh, diet coke don't bother sponsoring the show i guess i would no i don't like diet i don't like diet coke ew it's it's Uh -uh. just like it's it's gross it's like it's it's not good yeah i don't know like i'm trying to think of something i like less and there are a few things probably but few in the drinking department yeah no i'm not a fan i I don't understand how they could make it mess it up i do really like mcdonald's diet coke there's something right. about McDonald's. I like McDonald's Diet Coke, but that is the exception to the rule. I do not like Diet Coke in general. Yeah, McDonald's puts like straight liquid crack in their in their pop machines. They, they, they do. <laughs> I don't know what they do, but they do that I, in their French fries. I heard that they never clean the machines. I think I, that's few that's what I've do. heard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. pure syrup so, at this point. But, right, right. Yeah, no, that's uh, so, yeah McDonald's. So you do the McDonald's too? Sorry, McDonald's. You can sponsor us too. What do you yeah, eat? What yeah. do you get when you're a McDonald's? You're a plain I, Jane. I'm so a, I'm not a fan of McDonald's food. Okay. Um, I will literally go just to get a diet coke because they're a dollar for a large one, and that's why. I like, I try to be good about my food and not just eat mcdonald's but if i'm forced i mean i'll eat a cheeseburger or or mcnuggets or something but i'm not i'm i avoid mcdonald's food if at all possible we are forced by our small (laughs) by our littles but uh yeah mcnuggets that's like barely food but you know what the drink department (laughs) though sonic also sponsor us i've never Um, sonic yep your internet is breaking up pretty good here uh but that's all right she said she's never had sonic which i cannot believe okay if you come to portland like for blazer's edge night or something we will find one because they have very large drinks like 44 ounce two hands won't fit in your cup drinks and they have like light ones and they're good because sonic has ice it has like kind of that nugget kind of ice crushed ice or whatever oh i'm a fan of that oh it's really good i will sometimes go and just buy a bag of ice because you can get it for two dollars the Chick-fil-A on the Las Vegas Strip 
has the perfect ice in all the why are we talking about this right now okay. i can switch this back in las vegas which is where summer league is currently happening right, but, and I mean, that is my segue <laughs> exactly but i can't do chick-fil-a because social justice issues but i uh, you know stripping chicken. on, on Tripping in Las Vegas? Chicken. What you say? Oh, chicken, yes. I love chicken their stripping. chicken. I yes. can't, I don't have quite okay. as high of standards as Ch- you because oh, pa- I love their chicken. <laughs> Popeyes. Popeyes. It's, it's good chicken. I mean, eh, Popeyes. Okay. I mean, okay, but Popeyes chicken, I mean, you could just sponsor us with literally chicken because it's super expensive. <laughs> I mean, my kids are like, hey, let's go to Popeyes because it's really good. We had it the other day. And I was like, okay, I haven't been there for years. He's going, okay, let's see. I would like a drumstick. That'll be like your mortgage, <laughs> but it's worth it right. because it's-, it's really good. But yeah, yeah, it is. It is good. But I, yeah, I'm, I, I love Chick fil A. I can't, I, when I was a kid, I remember my parents like, we're not going to shop at this place or we're not going to mm-hmm. buy these because of this or whatever. And truthfully, like as an adult, I just can't hold to that. I shop where I want. I, buy, I eat what I like and I probably should have better standards than that, but I kind of don't. So even, that's where if, I'm I, at. even if I didn't have my social justice things, I have eaten at Chick-fil-A like twice in my life and it's overrated. Sorry. All the fuss okay. that's made about it. For me, okay. it's totally overrated. Well, on, on that note, Summer League is currently Speaking going of on overrated. <laughs> see, I got a seg in too. Boom. <laughs> we're our our first ten minutes of our podcast is debating drinks and, and food. That's well, we where we're seen at. Each in the other season. in two weeks. We gotta like catch well, up. And- and we're Blazer fans, and here we are. Yeah, so. because Summer League, because Popeyes was far better than anything that happened in Summer League. Okay, uh, Gre- uh, yeah, Greg Brown yeah. third. Okay, you know, nice dunks, some athleticism. You would expect that to happen. The caveat is he's not a guard. He looked okay. So let's start this by saying this: we we came out the gate in Summer League. Came out the gate. Came out of the gate. Came yeah, out. Came that's out the of same, the gate. Right? Yeah, okay. Came out of the gate. Okay. So. <laughs> thought I made that up for a second. We came out of the gate pretty strong with Summer League. Game one, game two, we won. I was thinking, here we go, Dave. This is what happens to me. This is where, like, my unicorns are are growing. My rainbows are bright. I'm thinking, like, here we are. We're going to be the Summer League champions again. I can get on board with this. Finally a win. Like, I'll take take it where we can get it. We won the first two games. It was looking good. And then game two... Or game three and four, we lost. And then game five, we also lost. And for the record, I did not actually watch a full game any of the time. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be in Vegas. It didn't work out. I was out of town for work. And then some other things happened, and I, and I didn't go. So I did not watch the games, but I saw I caught up on highlights and, and you know, followed the scores, and, and that I was disappointing. Don't think you missed watch. I didn't actually watch all of the games either. I think this is the first year we didn't have someone credentialed down there, but it almost kind of wasn't worth it. I wasn't too sad about that. I mean, it was COVID-related and various other things. You right, know, right. Like, so Beasley didn't, I mean, I expected Michael Beasley to like score 60 in one game, and that didn't really happen. And Fareed, I mean, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there was a lot of veteran presence on that team for one thing, and that didn't really work out. But look, I'll hang my hat on Brown. I think that you saw in his movements, you saw in just, you forget the stats, forget what he does. If you look at a couple of those highlights, you can see the way his body moves around the court and you like it, okay? So there's some raw material there that makes you say, 
Okay, I get why they drafted him. Whether he's going to be able to parlay that into actual, you know, an actual career or actual significance absolutely remains to be seen. But I've never forgotten the the lesson of Nicola Batum, who in a different way, he didn't look like Brown, but in a different way also showed uh, this kind of fluid, unique movement and actually was a harbinger of things to come. And they came pretty quickly. So I don't want to discount that, that, that Brown might have some potential there. I'm not sure I saw a lot of, you know, that just gave me a lot of hope. But you would expect that because as we talked about a couple weeks ago, thanks, Josh, for filling in last week, by the way. Super jealous. You did well. But as we talked a couple weeks ago, the infrastructure at the bottom level of the Blazers development system just isn't there. So, I mean, I don't know what we expect, but it was about what we expected, I suppose. Well, and Greg Brown, we have signed him to a three-year deal, which is a bigger deal than I expected. I, I... Classic <laughs> classic Blazers move, right? I mean, take a guy that no one else is going to bid on against you and pay him more than he's worth. It's, it's But this is, look, this was the Allen Olshay playbook, right? The Paul Allen, Neil Olshay playbook. Draft a second Wait, who's, rounder. Who's Allen Olshay? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, Allen slash Olshay. Right, right. Get a guy that you think has potential, pay him more than he's worth at the very, very beginning, but not an amount that's significant in the overall course of things, and then you will have him cheap if he turns out you know, great. And if he doesn't pan out, the cost is relatively low, though more right. than most teams would have spent. It's not a bad strategy, except no, when, it isn't. when you figure out that the Blazers are scrambling like heck to stay under the luxury tax line right now. Yeah. And yep. I read somewhere today that Andrew Nicholson is going to be one of the differences. And you remember Andrew Nicholson, he was a like sign and, and dump guy that they stretched his contract and the Blazers are playing, paying like 1.9, 2.8 million, whatever it is per year. Can't look it up right now. And literally they might have to dump somebody else because they have that dead money on their cap. And then, so little moves like this can make a difference, but overall it's not the world's worst strategy. You just figure some players will pan out and sometimes you just have to eat that. Yeah, and and for what it's worth, especially in this last game, he was fun to watch. I'm really excited to watch him develop, and I'm hopeful that he's going to be someone who develops and and becomes a great asset for us. And if he does, then then that was a good move, and we can hope for that. You know, did you see the highlight of his dunk? Yeah, I'm really hoping for <laughs> Dave's unimpressed look. I am really hoping for <laughs> your diet Pepsi was impressive. I got lit up for that. David's a dunk. I I just want to know how it feels. I really hope that at some point during this season we get a you know a practice dunk contest between him and Ant and uh, Derek Jones Jr. and some of these guys. You know that would be fun. I hope somebody does that, and I hope they share it with the world because get three slam we could use some of that. Row. Yeah, uh, we talked about that when they drafted him. Might be the third third slam dunk champion that the Blazers have. They have all three That'd of the last fun. three. But yeah, it won't be fun. We got to win at something. (laughs) That's right. But no, um, I was less impressed by the dunk than just his motion. I liked what I saw there. I I think it's actually a good observation that he was fun to watch. Now, point guards in summer league, fun to watch is not always indicative. Okay, so point guard, you got to discount that a little bit. Look at other things. But sometimes scoring guards, too, can fool you. But more front court players, when you start getting above 6'5", 
fun to watch is a is a decent metric in summer league because big guys don't often get a lot of chances to make a huge impact. Uh, first of all, they're just learning. Second of all, the stupid selfish guards never given the ball. And third, you know everybody's swarming them when they they catch. So if they get loose and actually do something nice, you go, oh, okay, this guy must have some athleticism. There's something to him. So well done. I think you're a good summer league scout. Uh, I too was impressed, and we'll we'll see what happens with him. I don't expect anything to happen this year, but maybe maybe that might be a little bit of a steal. I would be the worst scout in the history of the world. For the record. <laughs> I, like I would him. be like, I, like I, I, I just like the guy. I, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you his stats, but I like him. Let's get him. I would, I would be terrible. I'd be a terrible scout. You'd be um, a good agent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like this guy. I, I you should like this agent. guy. Yeah, I would convince you to like the guy. I'd be a great agent. Yeah, you know, um, the actual agency can handle all the day-to-day stuff and, the you know, pleasing the player and keeping him connected and all that stuff. We're just sending Dia in to negotiate. <laughs> now, if you don't yeah. like this guy, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I brought, yeah. About my rainbow yeah. shape chart. Let me tell you why you should like him. Have you seen his collection of Christmas sweaters? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there's not a whole lot more to say. I, I'm I'm glad we were able to have summer league this year. It still doesn't feel quite normal. You know, things are flaring up again with COVID. I obviously wasn't at summer league. I know a lot of people I follow were there, and so I got to see bits and pieces of what was going on. It felt like there was a little taste of normalcy, but definitely not back to what it used to be. So maybe by next year, maybe by next summer, Summer League will be kind of back to normal. We can only hope. I've never gotten to go. Next year is my year. It seems like just a really fun thing to get to be a part of and, and you know, get to see. And, yeah, um, I mean, I'm hoping for clear normalcy too. Not No gray area. Let's get this variant done. Let's do the right thing this time across the board. I mean, I'm just praying that that we will, I mean, I think we're going to have to, this is not a COVID podcast. I'm not an expert. I shouldn't be saying Jack, but it seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better again. But I hope we ride this out and I hope we have a relatively normal end to the NBA season, if nothing else, because we still have Blazers Edge tickets. I mean, we we never got to have that Blazers Edge night. That's still sitting there. I want to have one. And I want to have one where you feel like the kids are safe and I'm just waiting for that moment. And it's been hard doing without it. Let I hope we get through it. And then yeah. summer league after. Yeah, let's let's hope. I know I know there, you know, you're starting to see some of the stadiums that are saying that uh, you're gonna have to show proof of vaccination. That's a whole conversation I don't even want to get into. But yeah. I'm hopeful that we're going to start to return to some normalcy in the sense of sports here, maybe by next year. Let's let's hope. Let's hope that this year, you know, things get better. Another big blazer news thing. (laughs) This is really eloquent, Deandra. The Um, the news thing. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Calabro is returning as you know the the play um, by play no, thank you. you where is my uh, we should just say it's this we are recording late at late night, at night. <laughs> it's my fault i had a meeting with you know councils and stuff like that i had to yell at some people and all stuff but uh, so here so, we are you know, here we are my if brain's my only halfway forced, there yeah, that's all right <laughs> um so yeah he'll he'll be joining um lamar hurt thank you <laughs> This oh is, wow! Woo! Number forty. Number forty, and her memory's going. 
love uh, my, it. My memory is okay. gone. First of all, um, we love you, Lamar Hurd. Still listen yes, to you. Do. Like, absolutely yes, fantastic fan. analyst. Yeah. Such a fan. And that is not sarcasm. I actually really, really love no, Lamar Hurd. I Lamar think he's Hurd, fantastic. I mean, yeah, we are We're blessed. lucky to have him. We are. And in his early years, too. I mean, there's yep. all the growth curve yep. and stuff like that. And I don't want to diminish it all. I mean, you just know that he's really good now. And he has yeah. the potential, I think, to be great because yeah. if he's this good in his first like three years, right? There's going to be, I mean, there's a little bit of Steve Jones in him. I'm not sure the entertainment tip is quite there, and certainly the ease and the the swagger that Steve Jones ended up having. I mean, Steve, oh my gosh, he was incomparable. But that kind of analyst incisiveness, ability to communicate, all of them are there. I love what Lamar Heard does. So yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Kevin Calabro being with him. I mean, not bad. I say this multiple times on this podcast, but we really are truly lucky when it comes to talent with this team. I mean, we've got, you know, Brooke is fantastic. We've talked about Amara before we've got, we have so much talent surrounding this team and covering this team and, and doing all the things that, that it takes to produce an actual basketball game that that airs you know that there we have great great talent surrounding this team but um I, i'm excited to see kevin back you know i really thought that um oh, why jordan okay. kent thank you Ugh. um <laughs> i really thought that jordan kent did a great job this year man my brain just like That's what said I'm here good for. night I'm, okay i'm dia's assistant carrying the briefcase of names she like this snaps is like, this and is then like i open in, the briefcase and the name comes out <laughs> this is fill in the blank episode <laughs> of of dave and dia um i'm quite frankly glad i can own name at this point yes. um but i i thought he did a great job I thought that, you know, I really enjoyed listening to him and I, I'm, I was a little bit sad to see him go, but I am glad to see Kevin come back. So I think that'll be, that'll be fun to watch them again this year, listen to them again this year. I was too. I mean, and that was an odd dance that went on with Calabro leaving and then coming back. But, you know, he's yeah. Kevin Calabro. I think he writes his own ticket. You know, if you're in wrestling and you're mean Gene Okerlund, who was, you know, old, <laughs> old time wrestling, but he was the guy to announce, he could go wherever he wanted. Kevin Calabro is the mean Gene Okerlund or one of them of the NBA of NBA announcing he can he can write his ticket wherever he wants and he's going to be welcome so you know he wants to be in Portland it's close to home likes the Blazers whatever it is that's great I still expect if they ever get a team in Seattle they will pursue him hard I expect the Blazers will need to let him go so it'll be interesting to see what happens if Seattle gets an expansion team but yeah. with no expansion team there I think Portland is absolutely lucky to have him and uh, you know the Blazers have not done badly over the years with any broadcasters. I I, right, I love, right. I mean, Pete Pranica, I think, has done a great job in Memphis and still think he did a good job in Portland. Even Eddie Doucette, who spent some years on TV and radio, fine. I mean, he was, he was entertaining. The Blazers have had just really, really good announcers throughout the history of their franchise. Yep. It's one area in which they have shined. Shown? And I'm shined. all... Shh, let's not try to figure that out. Yeah. I am always reminded of this when I'm listening to other broadcasts because you get spoiled listening to them and especially being someone who's out of market. There are times where I don't get to hear them and I hate it. I hate when I don't get to hear our own broadcast. It's it's just such a different experience. So I'm constantly reminded of how good they really are and just, you know, glad to have them there. So yeah, welcome back, Kevin Calabro. Yes. That was a yawn. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, um, she does it. I'm probably going to do it. More Diet Pepsi, more Mountain Dew. Um, that's the so, problem. You know that's the problem, right? We get done. We do this podcast late at night. It's going to be close to midnight when I finish. You can I can't podcast with you and then like go straight to bed. Like, okay, I'm going to turn <laughs> off like a switch. I'm like, okay, first of all, I got Mountain Dew. And second of all, like Dave and Dia podcast and talking about the Blazers and all excited. And now it's like my brain is going to be spinning for two hours about the stuff we talked about. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is bad. This is bad for me doing podcast late at night. Well, and it's funny because we get we sign on the computer and we have this conversation and we both look like sloths. I mean, we're both over here like, yeah, yeah. Well, Excuse I me, yeah. I dressed up for this. At least tell the world I'm a hottie no, sloth I mean, or something like that. But you know, no, Dave, I mean, like, you know this newly single Dave who's out on the market? He looks exactly like a marsupial who hangs upside down and no, is kind of chubby. I mean, like, you I know just, that guy in the DMV in that one movie? Like, who barely right, moves right, and you get right, annoyed with? Right. That's Dave, Dave, if you could Dave, see him. Dave has his SpongeBob shirt on. He's he's ready to go. Okay. Um, I Wait a minute. That's even worse. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dave's ready to hit the... Back it up here. The town and I meant SpongeBob. when we sign... When, when we get oh, on the God, computer... Dave, what are you doing? Dave, you're killing me. No, when you're killing get- me. <laughs> Whatever little interest was out there is now completely gone. <laughs> Who's the person who sees Dave more than any of us? When did this become blind date, Dave? Just talk, just just talk me your up to the here. world, at least. Oh, yeah. Dave's going to wow you in his SpongeBob shirt. <laughs> Boy, ladies, you're going to fall for that one. You're you're just going to faint. Wow. What I was saying is that we sign on and both of us, I feel like almost every time we just are low on energy. It's, you know, usually it's late. And then as soon as we start, that adrenaline kicks up. And so by the end of the show, yeah, I'm my head is anyway. Okay, so moving on. Don Staley, we've Dave's losing it. We're just this. This has gone off the rails. We aren't even like, what are we halfway done? And we're already just completely off the rails. Exactly. Here. I mean, this is podcast forty. What do you want? Wait till podcast this eighty. Is, it'll be this worse. This is the off we'll season. This is what you get yeah. in the off season. We are also in the off season right like, now. This I know. Suddenly over. We have to like invent stuff for two months. <laughs> I feel like we. I thought that was going to happen at the beginning of when the season ended. Yeah. I thought, okay, this summer we're it's going to be slow. I think we even said like, if we only go thirty minutes, that's okay. Okay. And I think they've actually been longer than normal this this summer. Because it's more fun. This is your sur- first cycle through the year. I forget that. You don't know the Blazer's yeah. Edge rhythm. Like, okay, yeah. so let me, let's divert here. We're going to get to your other question. But okay. okay, so everything turns on in training camp, right? Media day is usually the kickoff. It doesn't really hit the full burners for us until preseason starts. Then it really starts amping up. And of course- Which is coming fast. I know. We are, the burners are on high- the oven's on broil once the season starts, and it does not stop. It is insane. You have no idea how much it takes to put out a website like ours does. I mean, just, just okay. Like people say sometimes, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. There's some people who cough behind their hands and say, <clears throat> Blazer's Edge aggregation site. Well, we do, look, we do bring you other people's news. You, you can find all the other people's news collected in our site. We don't plagiarize it. We will give you a bit and link you to them. But if you want to know what's going on, Blazer's Edge is a pretty good place to to check because you can find all the other news and click through to it. But in addition to doing all that, we also put out more original content than everyone else combined. So in the season, like we are just cranking. It is 
insane. The amount of communication and coordination it takes for basically almost nine months is you just get used to it. Like your whole life is taken over. Go ahead. It's I started in March, I believe. So it has not even been a full year. I don't think that I've has it or is this going to be two years? No, you, 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 we were podcasting all, you didn't start in March, did you? Was no, it I started with Blazer's Edge in March, but I guess right. it's going to, we're coming up on two years. Well, of, you, of we, you've been Edge. through a full year of podcasting. I know this. So Almost. I don't know yeah, if so, you were writing so, before that. Yeah, yeah, I was. So I think, so I think we're coming up on two years, but even, even two years in, I still feel like I cannot keep up with Slack. I, which Slack is the communication method we use. And I, I feel like I check it regularly. I try to stay on top of things. And I, it is just, we have incredible talent at Blazer's Edge. And we have people who are on it, who take care of things. Things get done. Things don't get dropped. We have a great system. Everybody chips in. It's just, but it's insane. And it's quick. And it's a lot. And I just, I mean, I still... I still, my mind is just blown at how this all works. Yeah, it, it's w- just... We have talent coming up that you guys haven't even seen the best of yet. I mean, my gosh. But we, I have to check every every Slack ping I have to look at. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, I mean, hundreds of times a day. I'm like, I'm so yeah. practiced at it. I can I can Slack just about anywhere. But, you know, it, it anyway, uh, through the season, it's like insane. And the playoffs, it crescendos. I mean, just, you cannot, I, we're talking like 10 stories a day, like we're cranking yeah. out. But then you think, okay, playoffs are over. It's done. We can relax. Oh, no, here comes the draft. And oh no, here comes free agency, which is actually when it peaks. Free agency is our biggest time bar none. And not only is it for putting out stories, but you have to be on alert. You literally have to be yeah. on alert from East Coast when the East Coast wakes up, which Pacific is like 5 a.m., right? Right. Maybe even four, all the way through till midnight or after Pacific time. And you have to like. On your toes, because anything can happen at any time. You have to check Twitter constantly. You have to check your phone. You have to check everything. And just, you could be eating dinner. You can be right in the middle of a bite of mashed potatoes, drop your fork, and run to the computer and start banging out a story because someone just traded someone. It's insane. And then, come Summer League, we kind of wound down during that, right? So now we're going to get to our dead point where we only put out only like three original features a day. Yeah. For, for this for this dead <laughs> yeah. season and right. things will calm down because there'll be relatively little news or whatever for a while and that's when we crank out a lot of our original work and bring up new writers and stuff like that so yeah it's it is you have no idea what it takes to do this but it's it's yeah. absolutely a ride like no other i can't you, the, the, not seeing the Blazers season through this lens is really difficult. Yeah, it definitely changes things. I think that's something that I've learned real quick is is that being on this side of it definitely changes how you view what is going on. And sometimes I think that's really cool. Like you get a really cool look at at things. Sometimes it's it's sometimes it's kind of sad because you look at things in in a different way. You know, it, you don't have 
the, I don't want to say privilege because that's not the right word, but you don't, you don't get to sit back and filter through what you read and decide, "Eh, I don't know if I want to read this. This doesn't look very happy, which is how I used to follow the Blazers. You know, you have to look at everything that's going on and pay attention to it because it's, you know, that's what we're, we're doing. And so, but there's, there's good and bad to it, but it's definitely, I, I, any chance I get to just shout out the team that we have for those of you who read Blazers Edge and, and listen to, you know, the different podcasts that we have coming out and things like that. There is a lot of hours, a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of people putting in time at weird hours or when they have other things going on. I can't tell you how many different times I've written things on my phone when I'm doing other things because it needed to be done right then. Those kinds of things are happening. And I just, I'm constantly grateful for the team that we have that stays on top of things and makes this a well-oiled machine. How about uh, Adrian Bernicic in uh, Australia? Yeah. I mean, he just overnight, like watching everything and posting Mm -hmm. stuff. You have Marlo Ferguson Jr. in Chicago. And, you know, we have actually what we need really is someone in uh, Europe. (laughs) So if you're, if you've got uh, journalist street cred or whatever uh, and and can write a little bit and you're in Europe, uh, email me and uh, we'll see what you can do. But, you know, I actually might know somebody, Dave. We'll have to talk about it that way. Yeah, connections across the world. We need to, you know, what we really need to do. Then let's get back to your original topic. But you know what I would love to see the Blazers do? Draft more European players. Because you know what? That was a fun time on Blazers Edge. When we had Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez, Nicola Batum, you had Victor Criapa, you had, I mean, Blazers Edge was a global phenomenon at that point. I mean, it yeah. was really scary. Uh, we were we were huge in France, in Spain, in whatever. And it's not that we don't have... We've always had a diverse readership. Uh, we have more diversity of gender, more diversity of age, and somewhat more diversity of location than you would really expect uh, from most sports websites. But that was, like, just incomparable. I mean, yeah. had, had the Blazers gotten Yao Ming? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we might be the ringer at this point because yeah. I mean I don't yeah. really mean that. God bless you, Bill Simmons. Right. But you know what I mean. Like <laughs> if you had added like another billion people on top of that, it would be uh, pretty scary. Anyway, Blazers Edge. Okay. What was what were we singing into? I forget. We were talking about Don Don Staley. Well, that's um, right. Don Staley, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with this name, she is the uh, head basketball coach for the women's team at South Carolina. She and she has been for quite some time. Um, she also coaches the USA women's team, the team that went to the Olympics. When I was down in Puerto Rico in the bubble in FIBA, she was coaching that team. I was really fortunate to get to be around her during that. She's a spectacular human being um, and a fantastic coach. And she was on the short list of candidates that the Blazers interviewed for the head coaching job before hiring Chauncey Billups. And she recently, um, you know, they won gold at the Olympics and she came back and did a podcast I do not have the name of that on me. I should have looked that up. It's on uh, It's on the site. If you go to the Blazer's Edge website, actually, I can pull it up right here. I, I can do but it. She, you just keep talking. She So she did, it's a T with A and Fee is what it's called, a podcast. Um, and she talked about 
the fact that she was sought out by the Portland Trailblazers. Um, she really didn't have an interest in coaching in the NBA or the WNBA until the Blazers sought her out. She talked about how they treated her like a real candidate for the job, whether or not they actually were considering her. She said she felt like it wasn't a fluke and she agreed to go through the process and that it was a great experience. One of the things she said that I wanted to highlight, and I'm just going to read her quote was, I took a lot of notes because if another female is ever in that position I got the notes and I'm going to give them everything they asked me how I answered it what they said you know just just kind of a cool thing to hear I'm grateful to hear that I think that you know women breaking into these positions we still have yet to have a woman head coach in the NBA and so this is uh, an area where it's I mean and and Becky Hammond advancing to the point that she did with the trailblazers that's the farthest that a woman has advanced in the process you know going for head coach and and that's a whole other story but it seems like we're on the cusp of that happening like there's maybe going to be a a woman coaching an nba team as the head coach here in years to come so it's good to hear things like this you know and and to see that she felt like they treated her well and took her seriously i'm grateful to hear that i'm glad to hear that i think that's a really good thing um personally i just from purely the fit of a coach i don't think becky hammond was the person for us i i haven't ever really i think it would have been really cool to do groundbreaking things like that but don staley is someone that i would have really liked to see coach this team i think she would have been great um so that was someone i was kind of pulling for but i'm glad that even though she didn't end up with that position she felt like at least it was a good experience let's talk about coaching for a second nobody this is going to sound tautological circular but nobody who can't coach can coach. I mean, like, okay, all of us who think we could step in there and give a motivational rah-rah speech and uh, no, no, you, you cannot do it. It is technical. There are so many things that go into it, let alone the stress level that comes with it. Most people can't take that. You don't, you don't, we don't even know what we're talking about. Okay. That said, among basketball people with the requisite experience and skills, people can coach. Okay. I don't think there's anything magical. I mean, that there are a lot of things that go into it. Talent that you have on your roster being number one. I mean, Greg Popovich, we're seeing something. Greg Popovich, great coach, obviously, but Greg Popovich does not look like nearly as good of a coach right now as he did somehow when he had Tim Duncan in his prime and the people around him, right? Okay. So talent on your roster really, really matters. And with talent on the roster, I think a lot of people can coach. Building the team and infrastructure around you, of you know, scouts and assistant coaches and stuff, and being able to utilize them effectively and manage that. That's obviously a skill. But if you have talent and you can do that and you have some X's and O's, I think there's nothing magical about like this person is really a coach and this person is really not. It's all kind of a subset of being able to deal with those things. Nothing in those is inherently gender related, right? right? So I don't see, I mean, I look forward to a time where if a person knows basketball, plays basketball uh, at, at that level or has played or whatever and has the credentials, that they're just considered. Because right. I think coaching is one of the areas that's really ripe for that. I think, by the way, front office work is another one. Scouting is another one. All these professions that we impart this magical, mystical thing to it because we would like to think we could do it and it's really important. The we there has usually been men. 
okay? But just because men impart those magical, only we can do it things to it, doesn't mean that's reality. And I think that, I, I, I honestly think that the door could be wide open, and I hope it is. And I think once it's broken through and some success happens there, that it just should just remain open, and hopefully we won't have to worry about this kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, it's it's still wild to me that we live in a world where there are jobs that women have never done. That in and of itself is just a wild thought to me. I obviously am a woman. I've never felt like that's made me less capable of doing something. I mean, obviously I have physical limitations in some situations and and whatever. Like I I get that. But it, but in in a situation like this, it's just such a wild thought to me that we've never had a woman coaching an NBA team. That's just a uh, head coaching an NBA team. That's well, and a barely wild assistant thought. coaching, honestly. I mean, yeah. the, the the vanishingly small the number of women assistant coaches there have been. That's just a wild thought, and I'm not sure that'll ever be like a normal thing to me. That like there's something that women haven't done. That's just it's just wild. Yeah, I mean, but we're not far. I mean, look, we like to think, and again, I'm not the person to be talking about this, but I have this perspective, that we're a lot closer to the things we say we despise and would never do again than we think. And first of all, we're doing them again. (laughs) And a lot of us, I mean, some of it's overt and some of it's still systemic that has never gone away. So we're not free of those eras. But even the obvious examples that we look at and say, no, uh, we don't do that anymore. That wasn't long ago. That wasn't a lot of generations. Uh, Some of it, a lot of it is within our lifetimes, like overt stuff. So if we want to really say we're beyond this, I don't think that's that's a claim that we get to make. I think we all pave the way and work as hard as we can, and maybe our grandchildren get to say, okay, we never grew up in as having this as a huge situation, okay? Right. That's the hope. So... Like, but but that doesn't happen unless stuff, unless movement happens where we are. And personally, I'd love to see it. So, you know, and people say, well, what about the most qualified person? You can't guarantee me that all 30 NBA teams hired the most qualified person. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. hire plenty of coaches who don't pan out. How did you know that guy was the most qualified person? You didn't. They just hired him and he got a shot. It should be the same way for other people as well. There may be women like this, but I think for the most part, women don't want to be hired just to be a woman hired. They want to be hired because they're the best, just like anyone does. I think anyone who is pursuing a career or who is trying to be something, they don't want to be hired because of the fact that they're a woman or the fact that they're a certain race or the fact that they're anything like that. I don't think people want to be hired just for that reason. They want to be hired because they're the best. And being a certain gender or a certain race doesn't keep you from being the best. But I think oftentimes that becomes something that holds you back. And so in and not on your own merit, but on, you know, other people's expectations or standards. Yeah, it's exactly. And so I, I, I don't think there's anyone out there. And and I've even seen some quotes from Becky Hammond say, I can't, I don't have them on me, so I can't quote them 
exactly, but where she's essentially said, I want to be hired because I'm qualified for the job. I don't want to be hired just as because I'm a woman and we need to get a woman in this arena. Like I, and so I don't think you have women out here trying to get hired just because they're women. I think you have women who think that they are qualified and the best for that job. And, and some of them may be. Um, and so I don't know. It's 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 interesting. And I think these are always kind of difficult topics to broach because they're personal and it's um, a little bit of an emotional thing to talk about sometimes. So it's it's tough to broach, but I think it's an important thing to be having conversations about and being aware of. Well, and also it's emotional for any coach to get hired. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But like people who are, I can hear people say, yeah, well, it should be a logical decision, not an emotional one. First of all, they never are. Second of all, everybody surrounding that coach and that coach themselves, you think they're not getting emotional when they get hired to an NBA job? I mean, well, maybe Mike Fratello or some old, you know, Doug Moe, who's been through the ringer a lot. I get it. But like young coaches, new coaches, first, second time through, you're getting really emotional getting hired. And I don't necessarily mean that the coach is getting emotional. I mean yeah. that as a fan base, as someone who follows basketball, you bring up a topic like this and people have feelings about it. It's not something that most people are just like whatever about. Most people have feelings about this kind of a topic. That's what I mean by emotional. Sure. Got it. Chauncey Billups. The new head coach, we've started to hear some bits and pieces from him about how he expects the season to go, you know, things like that. Specifically, one of the things or the two things that I want to pull out from him is uh, he talked about three-point shots. And Dave, can you summarize what he said about that? Do you, I, I feel like my brain's the not The exact quote, <laughs> which I think he clarified, was that we're not just going to jack up three-point shots, that he's not a fan of that. That's the that's the lead, you know, quote that got right. put out there. I think it was more nuanced than that, his final explanation, but basically not falling in love with the three. Right. Well, and I think I think people jumped real quick to the conclusion that, oh, no, we are a heavy three-point team. Now we're going to lose because that's been our strategy. And I, I also don't think what was going on there was that he was saying we weren't going to shoot threes or we were going to anything like that. I just think I'm hoping that what that means is we need to perfect some other areas as well. So we're a little better all around. Yeah, I think that was the intent. There are a couple of jagged edges on this. One is the the jacked up, which is that's an unfortunate word choice specifically for the Blazers, simply because last year, actually, they didn't. They really worked for the open shot. There were very, very few bad shots last year, at least to my, to my way of thinking, compared right. to, say, you know, a couple years past, right? The only, I would say, unconsidered three-point shots were Dame Bombs, and they were considered because that's in his repertoire, right? right I mean, right. if anything, the I'm going to pull up from 35 feet is the only thing that you can begin to say was, okay, that's surprising. Uh, but they went right. in. I wasn't looking at Robert Covington and going, you know, that was a that was a bad shot. If anything, I thought he should right. take more of him. Uh, CJ right. McCollum, too, as three-point was very judicious. 
obviously Derek Jones Jr. didn't connect on his, but that doesn't mean he wasn't open. It just means he didn't shoot him well. So I don't think that perception of they're taking too many or they're taking the wrong shots, I don't think that was accurate at all. Yeah. But I think what he was going for is more of an inside game, but that's the other jagged edge. And we we think that Yusuf Nurkic is probably going to benefit on the offensive end from what Billups tries to do. Don't know yet till we see it. But the point is, we're going to have to see it to believe it in this sense. They re-signed Norman Powell. Norman Powell's an offensive yep. player. They have CJ McCollum, offensive player, Damian Lillard, the offensive player. So they are right. guard heavy. You say right. you've got all that. And then you say you're going to give Nurkic more of a role as well. And by the way, both Lillard and McCollum really need the ball in their hands. So you got a third person that you're going to put the ball in his hands even more. I can understand using Nurk to set up an inside-out game all in favor of that. But if you're talking about bringing really a fourth major offensive player in as a hub, who's going to give up the ball? Because it ain't going to work, I don't think, where all four of them, the, the three guards have everything they had before, and you add Nurk. I can't see that working, so I'm interested in seeing how what the plan is there. He also touched on defense. He basically said that defense won't be optional, which, good, but also, and this is not me being critical, because, again, I'm hoping he's going to come in and he's going to be great. But and I, And I absolutely agree that defense should not be optional. But I'm wondering if he's implying that the team thought it was optional last year. So so is is this him saying, hey, we can do better and we're going to? It left me wondering what the meaning was there and what he was getting at there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I don't think that we had a team full of lazy people. I don't think that we had a bad coach. So I, I'm curious to see what this translates to and how this looks moving forward. Well, it's somewhat Blazers bingo that, I mean, every offseason we hear this, right? We can check it off like, it's like the Swallows coming back to Capistrano. It's, you know, July, it's August, we're going to hear about, we're going to improve on defense this year. Sometimes it's happened, but usually not. The other thing is the company line is that a coaching change is what was necessary to do it. Right. So that wouldn't be surprising. He has a platform to rest on there, at least for now, until it doesn't happen. But if you look specifically, because when you say defense is optional, or not optional, rather, that's right. not that doesn't seem like a team-wide indictment, okay? Maybe it is kind of, and if you view from that lens okay and and you can justify that with the stats so let's give that much grace that that may be possible team-wide defense is not not playing defense isn't acceptable fair enough right. but there's also some individual components to that and it gets really uncomfortable when you start narrowing that down because Nurkic I mean the beginning of the year was not great but he ended up being one of the better, more active defenders. You know, Robert Covington, obviously very few complaints compared to the rest of his teammates. Derek Jones Jr., wild card, but he didn't not defend. You know exactly where this is headed individually, and it's that backcourt. And if we're saying defense won't be optional for anybody, how are you going to enforce that? Are you really going to, I mean, there's- Are you going to sit them at that point? Like if, yeah. if one of these guys that, you know, Nurk or CJ or Dame even doesn't play defense, what are you going to do? You're going to pull them out and sit them on the bench? Like, are you actually going to do, because I, I think even in that situation, you can say that you're going to. Who has the ultimate trump card? And it's very clearly not the first-year coach, no matter who he is. Now, I assume that Chauncey Billups has been in enough of this, these situations where he has some sense of how 
he's going to handle that. He has some sense of the complexities, obviously. But this is also his very first time stepping into that head coaching position. Yeah. And he's not had a lot of assistant coach experience either. And it is a different role. And it is a different, I mean, you know how, anybody who's been through this knows how it goes because you think because you have it from one perspective, you've got the necessary knowledge. And it turns out to be about half the knowledge that you need. And yeah. you have to earn that other half. And it's not so easy to say stuff like that because you're no longer the star point guard. You're right. the coach. And you're the first-year coach. And right. that's Damian Lillard. And that's CJ McCollum. And when push comes to shove, they have more gravity. They just right. do. You can't You can't get along without them. Now, I'm not saying that. I think Damon CJ would be coached in that way, by the way. I'm not saying that Mr. Lillard or Mr. McCollum would say, go to hell if Chauncey asked him to play defense differently or harder. They, would, right. they will accept that, and I think they will work at it. But when it's mid-February and they're dog-tired and you need them to score 40 points apiece because this just isn't working on the third game of your seven-game road trip, what are you going to do? And right. you don't have a lot of options at that point. you got to let them play. I, look, you don't want to land too heavily on certain quotes uh, or, or on certain words, but the phrasing just betrays a little bit, I think. A little bit, like there's there's a growth curve there for sure. And it's not it's not just n not the way I would have put it. I'm not sure I would have brought up the three-point shooting. And the defense, you either have to put up or shut up. So I'm not sure where the traction was in any of that. I'm, I'm not basing a lot on it or making a huge judgment on it. I'm just saying that whole thing was just kind of weird for me, yeah. and like, eh, uh, let's move on to something else, Coach Billups. I and again, I'm not trying to be critical, and I'm hopeful that maybe, maybe it's going to work. I, I, I don't know. We haven't seen him really coach outside of obviously summer league, so I don't know what that looks like. That's that's what I'm curious about. I'm curious what this is going to look like. Hopefully, it works. It'd well, be great if all of a sudden we started playing defense with the same team we had last year because yeah. we did. We were great offensively. So if we can start suddenly playing defense with the roster that we had last year, we might actually be okay. Here's the weird thing, though. I think I pinpointed some of the weirdness for me. Like, this is a thing you would say about a young team. Playing defense isn't optional. We're not going to jack threes. Well, yeah. okay, if everybody's like in their fourth year or younger, this sounds like something you'd say about the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Blazers are a mature and apex-level team, theoretically, and these players know what they're doing and they're accomplished and the tones aren't in harmony exactly here between the way a first-year coach stated it and the what a vest veteran roster the reality is. I have hope that that's just an aberration and or that that'll smooth out, but the dissonance right. there is definitely something I noticed. Yeah, and it may just be an issue of communication too. You know, this is, again, he's in a new position. He This is the first time he's having to sit in that seat and answer for these things. And so it could end up just being a communication issue. I don't sure. know. Sure, or yeah, word choice. He's just saying things like he says them, and that's great, but there's more ears than usual. Yeah, so we'll we'll just for now hope that it, you know, plays out and and we score 200 points a game and play defense. And then basically we'll be champions. They aren't jacking threes, though. They aren't. I'm just I got I just yeah. They they didn't. I'm just they, saying, they, Dave. They, they did let's, good. Let's let's keep hope alive here. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> C 
Siakam and Simmons. 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 Gosh, that's so hard when you have Simons on your team because so many people mispronounce it. That's my I I I miss anyway. But I, I hope they don't trade for Ben because Simmons Simons will be fun. <laughs> Yeah, if I can barely read it off my notes correctly, I can't imagine trying to announce it. Anyway, Siakam and Simmons, Simmons. <laughs> um, are both rumored to be staying where they're at for now. So just as a theoretical question, if you could have one of these two players, which are you going with? Yeah, and I think they're both alive. I just don't think the offer has been right. You know, so I think their trade value was not as instantaneous as as thought. So I mean, it's it is a live possibility that one of these players could become a blazer. Although, yeah. did you hear that Ben Simmons supposedly said he didn't really want to go to Portland? Yeah, we talked about that briefly last week on the podcast. Yeah. That that's a that's a rough that's rough to hear. Yeah. So, but you know, he's under contract. He'll probably go anyway. So, uh, are we talking about? I mean, who do we have to trade? Is the first question. I mean, I mean, essentially, if we're if let's let's start easy. Let's start with CJ. Some kind of package built around CJ because that was originally what was kind of the rumor here. So trading CJ. Oh, that's tough because they get really close here because you've still got Norman Powell offensive player and I, I like Siakam because I think you know he's got more offensive range for sure and people are screaming go take take Siakam take Siakam I think he's the more obvious choice but I really like Ben Simmons defense and I really like Ben Simmons as a secondary creator I mean there's a temptation for me there to say <sighs> Simmons if it's just CJ but okay. now nah, I'll go for Siakam. I'll, I'll do it because, you know, he's not as point guardy and Dame can be the only point guard. And and there's I, I'll take Siakam. How about you? Yeah, I would go with Siakam. That's honestly not really much of a thought. And especially especially after Simmons came out and said he didn't want to come to Portland because you know how I feel about that. I don't want people who don't want to be there. So for me... I would have probably said Siakam anyway. I just personally think that would be a fun one to watch, especially with Dame. But especially when you hear somebody come out and say, I don't want to be there, that's a problem waiting to happen. And I just don't want anything to do with it. And I'm kind of iffy about that anyway. So for me, Siakam is the obvious choice there. Okay, so Um, Siakam health is a concern. But the other concern is last minute shots. He hasn't developed that right, that clutch number one option. If Dame's still on the team... You don't have to worry about that, right? Because Dame is uh, he's either going to take like it. I don't like where you're going with this. He's either going to take that last minute shot or he's going to be one heck of a distraction so that Siakam gets an even more open look. So really, Dame playing next to Dame would erase at least a couple of Siakam's big supposed weaknesses. So I, yeah, I like it. I think I think I would land there. I definitely thought you were going to say, but what if, what if the trade was for Dame? Uh, so let's let's talk about that. I, and now I just I just need to go on record here as saying Dame's not going anywhere. We we know this at least not right now. He's not going anywhere. By right now, I, you mean this week, right? I mean uh, before the season starts. Okay, maybe. Okay. I have I have inside source who says he's not going anywhere before the season starts. And that inside incredible one. That inside source is your heart, right? That in, in your heart, he's not going <laughs> no, anywhere. No, it's a credible source. On top of that credible source, we also have Dame who is saying he plans to suit up as a blazer when the season starts. And I'm going with that. Between those two things, I'm believing that. So 
That being said, I also am insanely tired of talking about Dame being traded. I've seen that online. I've seen that in our Blazers Edge comments. People are like, just stop with this already. So listeners. We've done like, are, like three articles. I'm just saying, I one article is enough for me. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to listen to it either. But here we are. These things are, are coming up. And so I'm just going to go ahead and say, well, I wouldn't want either of these for Dame. I want to keep Dame. That's it. That's all I want to say on the topic. Sure. Your I think thoughts, you still Dave? I think you still take Siakam if you have to try. I mean, he would be a really good comeback for for Dame. For Dame? But, no, I mean, like I'm assuming you are forced to trade Dame. The Blazers aren't going to trade Dame voluntarily. But he oh, makes yeah. a trade demand, he's not going to play for you and he pushes it to the ultimate limit. You have to get something for him. Um Siakam would be a good uh return for him. The problem I see is, uh, first of all, no point guard. And second of all, like I'm not sure that team of McCollum, Powell, and Siakam makes you a threat, especially if Dame, you know, couldn't do it. So I'm almost tempted to say Simmons in this situation simply because he can handle the ball and he can defend on the other end at a different position. So he can play point guard on offense and small forward on defense, which would make, I think, a better balance. But the problem is, is Simmons motivated? I mean, is Simmons not just to be here, but is he would be taking on a lot of those number one player characteristics, replacing Dame. And I'm just not sure that he entirely has that. Now, I love his defense. I mean, that would that would immediately improve things. But gosh, I mean, it's so hard. It's an icky situation. I think, you know what, I'm still going to go for Siakam. And I'm going to say there's another trade in the offing that will bring in an adequate point guard after that but i wouldn't scream at simmons if i were forced to trade dame but really what i'd like for dame is young players that are inexpensive an expiring contract that's going to free up cap space and draft picks up the wazoo because at that point i think you're just rebuilding and you fumigate the entire rest of the roster uh, or i'm sorry not the roster the salary cap you just get it down to the bare minimum get a lot of draft picks and rebuild uh, if I'm forced to trade Dame, I'm going with him. Well, I mean, fair, but you still have to <laughs> podcast here. You can wear Philly shirts and stuff like that. But. I just refuse. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about Dame being traded. I, I don't. I if Dame gets traded, I want out. <laughs> Every time you're I'm, out, we're gonna drag you back in. I'm mostly kidding. Well, I mean, there are a lot. There are people who are gonna feel like that legitimately. Just remember, oh, the yeah. pain does go away. There's always hope. So if that happens, but I, I understand it. I absolutely understand it. Because you know what? Dame created, Dame created this generation of fans. I mean, yeah, it's not that sure. they wouldn't be here, but they wouldn't have had nearly as much fun. Right. Okay. That yeah. shot, that shot against Houston and that shot against Oklahoma City created generations of fans. Yeah. I mean, for me, Dame was a big part of me getting back into I I mean, I, I kind of started getting back into it before he was drafted, but he was really a big part of why I got so deeply into it again. Dame has been, it's been a game changer for me. It, I mean, I, I joke about this a little bit, but I truly, I truly wonder what that's going to be like one day when he's not there. I, I think that's going to be hard. I'm not, I'm not ready for it. I don't, I really don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> well, then tell me this as we close. It's almost midnight here. I've not eaten. So here's the question. Okay. Go to bed without dinner, save the calories, lose more weight. It's going well, by the way. I look at myself yeah. in the mirror and go, 
wow, hey, look at me. But Good for you. Yes, the hottest sloth ever has developed some abs. Uh, in any case, you can't see the abs because they're hidden underneath SpongeBob, but that's okay. Uh, or do I actually eat something? I'm like right on the fence. I'm kind of hungry, but I'm not starving. I could just go to bed and wake up and say, hey, I had less calories yesterday. Or do I eat something before bed? What what What's your call? Um, I tend to be someone who goes to bed and doesn't eat I, just because I don't like to go, I don't like to eat right before I go to sleep. So for me, um, I, I usually I, I would skip it. But if you're going to eat, eat something really delicious. Oh, that's that's bad because like i i think well i have some stuff at home i could fill with but like my, really delicious midnight food runs are really bad for like, you want to you want to hear bad okay my dad hands me a giant box i mean i've got i've got a bunch of them right your dad you see this wow okay yes i can see that handfuls of bags of reese's pieces that he accidentally ordered online and doesn't like. So he, I, I am somebody, I have zero self-control when it comes to food, like snacks and things like that. So I don't keep them in my house because I am the kind of person that if you give me an entire bag of gummy worms, I will eat the whole thing and I will justify it as I've eaten it. It's out of the house. It can't tempt me anymore. And so my dad brings me this giant thing of Reese's Pieces and I'm just like, oh, come on, you're killing me, killing me. Now, I was, so, pretty, I was pretty good on the trip, but there is a place in Lincoln City, here's a plug, you don't have to sponsor us, called Chocolate <laughs> Frog and it has homemade chocolates, okay? And they're truffles. They had like a bourbon something truffle and also a butterscotch truffle. And I died, drafted six Damian Lillard's, Lillard's and then came back to life again when I like tasted this. It was like, oh my gosh. And so like I, that place, it was incomparable. So that's like, there's nothing here that compares to that. So at least I can't go do that. But there is down the street, 24 hour Mexican food place that has like great fish tacos and their chimichangas have to be tasted to be believed. And like, I've got to avoid that. Because that's like 1,500 calories just sitting right there at midnight. And it's like, you don't want to go to sleep on that. Like, no, that's not going to feel good. No, exactly. So I will think of not chimichangas and stuff. And uh, yeah, just I might go eat to a bed. little something. Just go to bed. Okay. I'll just, do go that to bed. okay. just go to bed. Just go to bed. Finish your Diet Mountain Dew and go to bed. <laughs> that's, those two sentences don't belong together, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for Dia Miller, uh, I am Dave Deckard, and we will see you again next week with more talk about food and artificial sweeteners and uh, some good trailblazer stuff, too. We will see you soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent.